We've been talking about Christmas. A lot of times the world misses its meaning. We talked about that last Sunday. Today we're going to be talking about the Christmas gift and, and really about the giver, the perfect giver. Um, back in nine, uh, 2012, we were living in Missouri. Uh, just a little above Kansas City, there's this little inky-dinky town that has 500 people in it. Uh, I, I can't even remember the, the, the town. Um, but this couple, and, and uh, Tamara, not, you're not Tamara, you're, you're, you're not your sister. Heather, this is the, the couple. Um, they won like 500 and some odd million dollars, but they wanted to take it up in one lump sum. And they got 293,000, no, million dollars. 200, get that, $293 million. And these guys were pre-conservative, and they said they're going to help their family, they're going to help their community. And I did a little background check, and, and they have. They've, they've been giving money away to help. But just pretend for a moment. Let's just put on your, 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 your dreaming hat. If you were their relative, and they came to you and said, what would you like? What do you want what do you need? What would be the things that... Uh, but if... Uh, I want you to then think, well, what is your greatest need? And then think about what is your greatest want? Um, in order to give the perfect gift, you have to know what the person needs or wants. Have you ever received a gift that you did not want, you did not need, and pretty soon you re-gifted it? You gave it away. Yeah, it passed through your fingers because you thought, I don't need this. I don't. Why did they give this to me? Ever ask that question? Why did they give this to me? Because it wasn't the perfect gift. In order to give the perfect gift, you need to know them personally, Right? You need to know what they like. You need to know what they don't like. There also needs to be a relationship because in order to give the perfect gift, it has to be relational, right? Somebody say, that's right. Yeah, you, you love and care for them and therefore you intuitively know them. You're in a relationship with them and you don't even have to ask, what do you need, Stella? Charles already knows what you need because you've been married forever, Right? You guys don't even talk anymore. They just have telepathic waves going back and forth because that is a deep, rich relationship. And they know what each other needs, right? Well, what about this next picture? Remember Aunt Clara? Aunt Clara gave Ralphie a bunny. What, what did Ralphie want? A Red Ryder BB gun. That's all he wanted. And Aunt Cla does Aunt Clara know what he wants? Does Aunt Clara know what he needs? Does Aunt Clara have a relationship with Ralphie to even know what Ralphie likes? No, not at all. And then how many of you remember the old uh, O. Henry story, uh, The Gift of the Magi? Raise your hand. One, two, three. Okay, I'm talking to four of you. Let me tell you, I'll remind you, you probably had to read it in sixth grade. It is the tender story about a young couple who get married. They're madly in love with each other. This girl has beautiful, beautiful hair. And he has a beautiful watch that he inherited from his father. 
gold pocket watch. And it's their first Christmas together. And I'm going to ruin the story for you, so you'll have to go read it yourself and see how much better he tells it. But the woman decides to shave her hair off of her and sell the hair to a wig company so she can have the money to go buy a pocket chain. And then the young man is so in love with his wife that he goes and he sells the pocket watch and buys these beautiful combs for her hair. So on Christmas morning, they give each other their gifts. She has no hair and he has no watch. But they knew. They knew what each other wanted, but they didn't have the resources. Well, if God was going to give you a perfect gift, what would he give you? Because God has more than $293 million, right? Amen. He does. James tells us, the book of James, that every good and perfect gift comes from what? From above. Everything that is good in your life has its way all the way back to the Father, which is pretty cool. Now, whatever it is going to be, whatever He's going to give you, it's going to be perfect because He really is the perfect giver. First off, uh, if anyone knows what to give, it's God. And here's the first fill in the blank. The first fill in the blank is because is God really knows you. God knows you better than you know yourself. Did you know that? He knows you. Psalm 139, which is so beautiful. It's such a poetic description of of a baby coming into existence. It it reads this way out of the ESV. You, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Which is really interesting because today we know that we have an egg and we have sperm and it comes together and he, he donates a helix on the DNA and she donates a helix on the DNA and those two pieces of DNA are actually knitted together. And so the psalmist who wrote this 1,000, 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, close to it, says this, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. I think that blows my mind when I think that God has dreamed dreams for me. God has dreamed a dream for you. He has planned days for you. Does he really know you? Yes, he does. And in Matthew it says, you are super valuable. I'm paraphrasing. He says, aren't sparrows, two little sparrows sold for a few pennies? And yet God knows the number of hairs on my head. Some of you have less. Some of you have more. But let's get past the humor and think, God knows me that well? He knows when I lose a hair in the shower? or That's how intimately He knows you. He doesn't have to look it up on a computer program. He knows 
you so well. He says, even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are more valuable than many sparrows. And then he goes on and says, so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. And, and God really knows you. He knows the good about you, and he knows the bad about you. Do you know he knows all your, your faults? You can't hide any of your faults from him. Sometimes we think we can, that somehow we can do something in secret, and, and he doesn't know about it. He knows your insecurities. He knows how ugly you can be. And I don't talk, I'm not talking about the physical body. I'm talking about your, your emotions. I'm talking about your spirit. I'm talking about he knows when you're snarky and when you're not. He knows how ugly you can be, how mean you can be. He knows your personality. He knows your character defects. He knows all of your weaknesses. He knows even the secret pride. The secret pride that we have. He knows your sin. He knows your struggle. He knows all of your stinking thinking, right? He knows you. And yet, he still loves you. I, th- I think that is so awesome. He knows what we look like in the inside, and still he says, I love you. You're not a stranger to him. He's been actually watching you and nurturing you your entire life. He knows your heart. He knows the plans he has for you. He knows exactly what gifting and talent he has given you. He knows your purpose in life. He knows and he sees when you have victory. And he knows when you're in a trial or in a temptation. He knows your sense of humor. He knows what you like to eat, what's your favorite. You, you know, when I do a little sub work, I always ask kids just to break the ice. Hey, what's your favorite pizza? Oh, they all have an opinion on what their favorite pizza is, right? God knows you so well, he knows what your favorite pizza is. He knows if you like things bland or spicy, hot or cold. He knows your favorite dish. He knows your favorite color. Why would the God of the universe did all of this be interested in what Rob or Tammy or your favorite color is? Because he loves you and knows you, doesn't he? He knows you. He knows what you look like when you're sleeping. And I bet you it's not pretty, right? Probably not pretty, but he knows. He knows. He knows your real cough. He knows a real sneeze. You, you know those fake sneezes? You know, he knows what your real smile is. He knows the real you. He has seen your best moments as a human being. Think about that. He has seen your best moments. He has seen you be selfless. He has seen you be courageous. He has seen you be thoughtful. He enjoys your company. So many people think that God doesn't know them because they don't know God. Did you hear that? So many people think that God doesn't know them because they don't know God, because they are estranged from Him. But God is the perfect giver because He knows you. And secondly, here's the second fill in the blank, God cares for you and loves you, doesn't He? First Peter tells us this way, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God at the proper time. At the proper time, 
He will lift you up. He will exalt you. But then he says, casting. And it's this weird phraseology. It means it's a constant, continual process. You don't cast your cares on Sunday morning here at, at wherever you're at, at communion time, or what you cast your cares and then go about your business. Casting, continuous process. We are casting our cares upon him. Why? Scripture says he loves you. He loves you. The text that we're going to be at today, let's turn there. Turn to Matthew. Turn to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to pick it up at verse 28 and read a few verses. It says this, come to me. Come to me all who labor. Another word, another translation says all who are weary. Bone deep weary. And are heavy laden. And I will give you what? Rest. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for what? Your souls. And then Jesus says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Both these, let's go back to these two verbs. You can underline them if you'd like to in your, in your text. It says, All who are, uh, come to me, all who, are la- who labor are weary and are heavy laden. It means to labor or to place a burden upon the other one. But I want you to, I want you to see something that you don't normally see in the text because we don't stop and see it in English. is different than the language that it was written in. One verb, which is weary or, or labor, uh, is active. It is being done by you. You are weary. You are the one that are, is weary. And then the heavy burden is something that is being done to you. And you think, well, what is that? Jesus is covering both sides of the spectrum. That worry which you are actually doing, you are active being wearied. You are trying as hard as you can. And here's the, the context. You are trying to earn God's favor. You're trying to earn God's love. You're trying to live by the rules of men. You're trying to do all that stuff. And Jesus says that accomplishes nothing and it's bone-weary tiring. It just is. And it's constant. You labor to the point of exhaustion trying to please the Father. And then this burden that's passive You're carrying a great load, a heavy burden. But here's where I want you to see. Is Jesus talking about the physical or the spiritual when he says, come to me? By the way, come to me is an invitation. It is an invitation to come to him. Jesus in context, because we didn't read the first few verses of it to get the context. He's talking about spiritual weariness and burdens. Men and women are tired of trying to deal with sin and guilt and the personal misery it brings. 
Men and women try to find joy and purpose and peace on their own without God and without his resources, and they can't get there. This Hill family that won $293 million, you think they had any shot at earning $293 million before they died? No way. They didn't have the resources. People that are weary are weary of a broken relationship with God. They're tired of fighting God. See, Jesus was talking to people that wanted to get close to God, and they were trying to do this religious thing, this man-made thing. And they had to do all these rules. And, And the more they tried, the worse it made them feel. Every time they thought they were gaining ground, they would wake up in the morning and thought, I lost ground yesterday. God is slipping out of my life, not into my life, by doing all this religious stuff. Tired of fighting themselves and fighting others. You know why people are unhappy? Because they're not right with God. The heart of the problem is the heart of man. Say that. The heart of the problem is the heart of man. When our heart isn't right with the Father, everything else isn't right. But when we get right with the Father, everything else starts to fall in place. Doesn't it? And Jesus is talking to a people, a group of people that have been enslaved in religion. And he's like, come to me. I'll take that weariness away from you. You don't have to earn God's love. He already loves you right now. And you don't have to carry these heavy, heavy burdens of do not, do not, do not, do not, do, 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 do. You know what it's like to have a fight in the house? Raise your hand. A little tension in the house, right? Yeah. You can see tension at work sometimes. It's so thick you can cut it. You can see it at Walmart when people are shopping, husband and wife. They're like cats. Attention. They're tired. They're worn out because they're not right in here. Let me read it a little different way. He says, come to me, sinners. Burden with your sin, burden with all the efforts to earn favor with me. Just trust me. Come to me, as I said, was an invitation to submit to his lordship. Catch that. It wasn't come to the store and buy whatever trinket you want. Come to my Jesus store and, and, and buy whatever thing you think you want spiritually or emotionally or physically. Come to the store. He wasn't saying come to me like and come to me to buy. He said come to me to submit. Come to me. And that meant you're coming in under his lordship. Come to me was an invitation to submit out of caring and out of love. Jesus then in the text offers this rest. Ceasing from trying to earn that which cannot be earned. Do you realize that desperation is a part of the salvation process? Because you finally come to your senses that you can't earn your, your, your way to heaven. And you suddenly realize, I just have to have grace. We need grace, don't we? And Jesus bore the full weight of the law. And now offers to bear its burden for all who will come to me in faith. Set you free from the burden. Uh, Let's go back to, to take my yoke. Just for a second. Take my yoke. It says this. He says, take my yoke. You know what a yoke is, right? You've 
haven't, we haven't been so far removed from farm animals that we don't know what a yoke is. You know, it's the harness that, that, that the ox or the, or the horse or whatever is going to get into, the pull. It can pull all sorts of things. But it, it, this yokes, and yokes today, they try to be custom fitted. It's like wearing shoes that are too small for you. Does it hurt? Or shoes that are too big? You get blisters, right? Jesus says, take my yoke. Yokes are custom fitted to you. So Chris, God has a yoke that fits you, not Tammy. And he has a yoke that fits Tammy, but a different one for Victoria. He says, take my, why? Because he knows you, right? He knows your weaknesses. He knows your strength. And yet he comes and he says, take my yoke. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my load is light. Notice the text does not say this. Try harder. Could you imagine if that's what God said? Because trying harder means that you're doing it in your own strength. Jesus says, come to me. Submit, because the yoke is submission. Do you realize that the come to me is an invitation for lordship and taking my yoke means you're going to be harnessed. It means that you're submitting. An animal that doesn't submit to the bit and bridle or to the yoke is an animal that's not worth anything. But when the animal comes under the master and is fitted with the yoke, it's now useful. Are you with me on this? Are you tracking on this? Okay. And so the yoke is about submission. But Jesus doesn't say try harder. Try harder in your pain. Try harder in your trials. Try harder in your burdens. Try harder in your... He never says that. Jesus wasn't half human and half God. Like a lot of these movies show our superheroes, you know, whether it be... You know all the superheroes. They have all the supernatural strength. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. He has the power. He understands what it's like to be burdened and to have pain. To have a body that doesn't work like it used to. To have problems have trials, to have temptations. He was tempted in all things as we were, yet he was what? Without sin. He knows what it's like to be you. He knows what it's like to be you. And that's why God is the perfect giver. He knows you. He cares for you. He loves you. And look at number three. Number three says this. God knows what you really want and need. Really. Now I know that our text says rest, but that's what we want. We want the presence of God, so we're just always in that perpetual rest. Matthew 6, it says, When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. Isn't that cool? He knows what you need. Trust in the Lord and do good, the psalmist said. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. 
delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. What is this perfect gift then? It's redemption. Big fancy word. Try explain that to a five-year-old, but you can get it when you say, oh, let's go to the pawn store. And what happens when you buy back something that you pawned? Whose does it now belong to again? It belongs to the owner. Who owns you? Jesus does. And he redeemed you. I want you to put a smile on your face because redemption is the greatest thing in the world. Uh, you've been redeemed. God knows you, loves you, cares for you, and bought you back from the pit of hell. He redeemed you through the blood of Jesus. And then what part more of that perfect gift is? He's not only redeemed us but, and given us salvation, but he's given us transformation to become something that we never thought we could become. And that is a new creation in Christ. I hope you're becoming a new creation in Christ because you are under the yoke. You are in submission to Him. You're not trying harder. You're just at peace. There's a big difference from try harder to just be in submission. Doing what you know to be because you're pleasing the Father. Because what you really need is acceptance. Not rejection. What you really need is affirmation and value. And that's what God gives to us. What we need is security. You don't wonder if you're loved. You know you're loved. You know what a marriage is like when partners in a marriage, husband and a wife, doubt each other's love for one another? You know what that's like? You know the, the low-level anxiety it creates? The low-level stress it creates wherever stress goes to in your body. Man, when, when we know that our husband or our wife loves us beyond a shadow of a doubt and they're committed a thousand percent to the relationship, you know you sleep better at night? Do you know when you know that God loves you and you love God that you sleep better at night? Because the relationship is there. Because he values you. He loves you. He knows what you need. He needed redemption. He gave you redemption. You needed salvation. He gave you salvation. And then he gave you transformational power. Amen? Yes. It's given you purpose and meaning in life. Understanding. Why? Because he knows you. He cares and loves you. And he knows the one thing that you really need. So, number four is this. And that is God gave the perfect gift. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, chapter 2 is incredible. It was a time in my life where I could quote it to you, but as I get older, I, I tend to not be able to remember all the things I remember before. I think I'm getting old. But at least the word is still here and I can come back to it. It says, you are dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in the sons of the disobedience, among whom you once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But verse 4, God, being rich in mercy, 
because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. You don't have to be full of weariness and burdened by religion because you've now made alive together with Christ through that relationship. I want to show you a movie clip from Les Mis. Let me set it up. Jean-Paul Jean, no, Jean-Paul, Jean, hey, it's a French guy. Yeah, him. He's a French guy. This is set like in, uh, right after the French Revolution, or before the French Revolution, thank you. It's been a long time. And he is a convict. He has escaped prison. He has found his way, by God's grace, to a priest, a bishop maybe. I don't know what they had back then, a bishop. And he is sleeping outside. And this bishop finds him and says, Son, come in to the fire. Warm yourself. Here's some bread. Here's some nourishment. Here's a soft bed. You must have had a really rough day, rough life. And this is the convict in the middle of the night. Go ahead and play it. Never forget. God gave the perfect gift, Jesus Christ, to redeem us, to give us salvation, to transform us. And you have become a new creation in Christ. And now you're under his yoke. But it says in 1 John chapter 5 that Jesus' commandments are easy. Easy. To just submit to the Father. And when you submit to the Father and you're under that yoke that gives you wisdom and direction and purpose, he transforms the very person you are into the image of Jesus. Christmas isn't about religion. It is about remembering your greatest need and your greatest want, and that is a right relationship with God. Remember, He loves me. He loves me. And then what does that tell your heart? you are loved and then it comes out in your hands you give your life back I love the scene he looks him in the eye and says I have redeemed you when you participate in communion today I want you to think of yourself hooded and Jesus throwing that hood back and looking you in the eyes and being reminded that he loves you and cares for you and that he has redeemed you. And then your response back to him is just love. Let me pray. Father God.